Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Well, good morning, Cross Lane, and welcome to week two of our series, Reboot. It's a little two-week series that we're, we're wrapping up today. Last week, we talked about uh, the, the idea that God is in the transformation business, and if God is going to be in the transformation business, then that is the business that Cross Lane needs to be in. And so that's what we're about. We are about changed lives. God wants to transform you. He wants to transform me. He wants us to be transformed into the best version of ourselves. You will hear coaches talk that way. I'm trying to you know, raise up this player, train him up to be the best version of himself. And that's what we wanna do, that's what God wants to do in us is to bring out the best version of us. Today, I want us to look at how changing always starts with choosing. Until you start making some choices, nothing really is going to change in your life. You can want things to change, um, but changing always starts with choosing. Your choices shape your life far more than your circumstances do. I don't think a lot of people realize that. You can overcome circumstances by making really good choices choices. People have done that throughout history. Some of the uh, most famous people in the world have started out with not great circumstances, but they made great choices, and because of that, they were able to overcome them. Last week, we said you are a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of your past, and that is certainly true. You do not have to stay stuck in your past. You do not have to uh, keep reliving those things over and over. You can change. You can reboot your life, and you can make good choices with the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and if you make good choices in your life, you're going to see good results. But if you make bad choices in your life, you're going you're gonna to see the fruit of that as well. Bad choices lead to bad circumstances and consequences, um, sometimes really bad consequences. Today, I want us to focus on choosing what you think about, choosing how you think about those things, and what you allow to enter your mind. You know, we, we really have control over the gate of our mind. And, and so Romans 12 says this in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Well, you would say, Paul, how do, you know, how do we do that? And he says, by changing the way you think. God says, I will change your life when you let me change the way you think. You have a choice to make this morning. Am I going to choose to let God change the way I think about things? Uh, I want us to just really do two things today. First, I want us to understand three reasons rebooting my life must begin with changing my mindset. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then I want us to look at three choices for rebooting my mind. Three choices that we can make that will help us to, to have this reboot that we're talking about. What are the reasons? Why must I begin to change my mindset in order to reboot my life? Well, I want to give you three reasons why that's important. Number one, because my thoughts direct my life. My thoughts direct my life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is from the today's English version. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Every action, every reaction, everything you feel, everything you do starts as a thought. It all begins in our mind. If you don't 
think it first, it doesn't happen. I don't care what it is. If you don't think it first, it doesn't happen. Now, you can use that truth for good, or you can use that truth for bad, because good thoughts lead to good behavior and good actions, and bad thoughts lead to unhealthy behavior and unhealthy actions and habits. The truth is, we don't realize how often we sabotage our own success because we're making bad choices. It's driven by the way we think. And, and it's also driven by the way we talk to ourselves internally. And I talk about this a lot. 80% of the self-talk that you have is negative. And that's a problem for us. And so a lot of times that is driving the decisions we make, which leads to the habits we have. Scripture says, as a man thinks, so he is. You can't reboot a relationship, a habit, uh, or anything else without first starting in your brain and starting to rewire things and think differently. It starts in your thought life, first changing how you think about things like money and, and, and food and sex and, and you know, your life and other people and friendships and your work. So the first reason uh, is the fact that my thoughts direct my life. Here's the second reason you have to start in your brain to make a change in you. This is why you have to start there for the reboot. Second reason, because my struggles happen in my mind. Your struggles happen in your mind. That, that's where everything starts. You may not realize it, but every second of your life, there is a battle going on in your brain. It's a mental battle between right and wrong, between what's easy and what's hard, between what's good and what's evil, healthy or unhealthy. There is a constant battle going on in your mind. There is a mental struggle. Um, depression is a mental battle. And so is every other negative emotion that you might feel. Anger is a mental battle. Fear is a mental battle. It starts in your mind. Jealousy, resentment, loneliness, addictions, discouragement, low self-worth. All of those things begin in your mind. It's a battle that goes on in your brain and it rages on a daily basis. All of your internal, and by the way, all of your external conflicts with other people, they aren't started, um, you know, they're not starting in, in the relationship, they are beginning in your mind. James chapter four, verse one says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? There is a battle going on on the inside of your mind, conflicting desires, and that battle can continue even when you're sleeping. That's why sometimes you have sleepless nights. That's, it, it, it takes place sometimes uh, in your dreams. That battle can rage inside your mind 24 hours a day. I have a lot of things about Scripture uh, that I love, but one of the things I love about it is just how real it is. You know, it, it, Scripture gets gut-level honest, and um, it's pretty honest about our human nature and our internal battles that we all face every second of our lives. We often battle in our minds about what is right, you know, what's the right thing to do? What, what should I do here? What's the right thing for me to do? And then sometimes even when we know the right thing to do, <laughs> We can't bring ourselves to do the right thing, and that becomes a battle as well. The Apostle Paul, who really was one of the greatest Christians to ever live, was so honest about 
the battle that was going on in his mind. I love this from Romans chapter 7. Uh, this is verse 22. He says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Now, I just want to take a minute and look at that verse, and I've highlighted some key words for you there that you, you, you know, if you are taking notes along with this, you know, there, you might want to circle those words. Those words are war, fight, mind, and enslaved. That pretty much describes all of us, and that pretty much describes the battle that's going on inside all of our brains. Sometimes you're conscious of it, uh, and you can feel the, the tension going on, but a lot of the time, you are totally unaware of the competing thoughts and the desires and the goals that are happening within your mind. But you, you need to understand that this is a major cause of mental fatigue in your life because this is constantly going on. There's a battle that rages in your mind. And the reason that the battle in your brain has been so constant and is so intense is because your mind is your greatest asset. That's the best thing you've got is your mind. Uh, you are your thoughts, your will, your emotion, your soul. Um, if, you've got a, if you have God's spirit in you, Satan cannot control your mind. He can make suggestions. He can put thoughts in your mind. He can get your attention. Now, now that's a pretty big deal because whatever has your attention really has you. So if Satan has your attention, that's going to be a problem. And, and he, he can try to get your attention, but he can't control your mind. He cannot control uh, the thoughts that you have. He can't put thoughts, uh, um, he can't force you to think things, right? He can put thoughts in your mind and, and kind of tempt you with things. And then you have to decide, am I going to accept that or reject that? We're, we're talking about rebooting our mind. And before we talk about rebooting your life, you've got to reboot your mind because my thoughts direct my life. That's number one. My thoughts direct my life. Number two, my struggles happen in my mind. And then the, the, here's the, the third reason. Uh, number three, it's where God's Spirit works in me. Does God's Spirit work in my toenail? No, it does not. Does God's Spirit work in my spleen? No. God's Spirit works in my mind. We often use the metaphor of our heart as being the place where God works. We say things like, I invited Jesus into my heart. But technically, the heart is really just a symbol for the brain, and that's where you think, and that's where God is. He's in your mind. That's where the reboot takes place. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Let the Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God. That would be a great little verse to memorize. When Satan suggests an idea, we call that temptation. When God suggests an idea, we call that inspiration. But your choice in every moment of your life is for you to choose which ideas you will hold on to and which ideas you are going to reject. Am I going to accept or reject this idea? Is this a good idea 
or a bad idea? Is this temptation or is this inspiration? Am I hearing from the devil or am I hearing from God? You get to choose. Romans 8, chapter 6 says this, if your thinking is controlled by your old sinful self, it leads to death. But if your thinking is controlled by the Holy Spirit, that leads to life and to peace. Your choice. You can have peace uh, and, and life in your life, or you can have a dead end. You know, you can have a, a wonderful, vibrant life and, and peace and all those things, or you can you just run your life really into the ground. Nothing is going to change until it changes in your mind. Now let me give you three quick practical choices you can start making every day to reboot your mind. Uh, three things you can do every day. Every day, I must choose to feed my mind with the best thoughts. Every day, I have to choose what I'm gonna feed my brain. Am I feeding my mind with the best thoughts or am I feeding my mind with bad thoughts? It is here that I would direct your attention to Philippians chapter four, verse eight. I love this verse. I've quoted this uh, since I was in Bible college. I just love this passage of scripture. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now let me just ask you a question, and I want you to be really honest with me. Does that list represent the things that you typically think about the most in your life and most of the time? Probably not. If you're really honest, you would probably say, well, that's probably not what I spend most of my time thinking about. See, this is something that you have to train your mind to do. This is not something that comes naturally for us. This is something we have to train our mind to do. You have to train your mind and train yourself to think the thoughts that are pure, that are beautiful, that are right, that are lovely, that are without repute. You know, you have to train yourself to think the best, not the worst. We need to think the, the thoughts that bring peace and joy and, and truth and beauty into our life. This is a choice. We get to choose what kind of things we're going to think about and what kind of things we're going to think on. And while you're talking about this, I just, you know, while we're thinking about this, I, I need to just say your mindset, the way you think, is being affected by your media intake. Now I know that that's kind of like the, as plain as the nose on your face, but I, I just don't think we think about this very much. Um, you need to closely monitor what you're consuming and what your kids are consuming when it comes to your media intake. Um, if you're gonna really live out the gospel and you're gonna live the kind of life that Jesus wants you to live, you really need to pay more attention to what's being put into your life. You go back to Philippians 4.8, because you see in Philippians 4.8, it does not represent the stuff that you normally see <clears throat> on TV or on Facebook or on the internet or on Twitter or TikTok or Insta or whatever it is that you are, are consuming. If, if you're serious about letting God transform your life, if you're serious about getting a reboot in your life, you know, you see somebody else and you think, man, I wish I could do, do it like they're doing it then it's gonna take some changing of your mind. And if you're serious about doing that, it's likely that the most practical thing you can do is to begin to monitor, and I would even say to limit some of the media intake 
that you've got going on. Maybe you need to unplug the television. Maybe you need to do away with a certain description. Uh, maybe you need to get off social media altogether. I know some people that have done that. Now, you're probably not going to do that, okay? <laughs> I know you well enough to know that you're probably not going to do that. But I would strongly caution you to begin to monitor how much time you're spending on social media sites and to at least try to limit that somewhat, to, to mitigate the damage that those things can do in your mind and in your psyche. Try to reduce the number of hours a week you are spending on social media. Why? Well, let me just, I'll, I'll just use this illustration. Your mind is kind of like a scale. And, uh, you know, if you, if you come to church for a week, uh, for every week, and you listen to a, you know, I preach for about somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes usually. Uh, if you listen to a 40-minute sermon, you do that every week. You know, we put that on the scale, and now you've got something that looks like this. But then you go out of here, and what do you do? You watch, you know, hours and hours of television throughout the week, and, and over time, what begins to happen, and it doesn't take long, is the scale begins to tip, and the scale begins to, to be weighed in the other direction, and the media intake that you have had throughout the week starts to greatly outweigh anything that you may have heard in here. The same is true of God's Word. If you, you, know, if you wake up every morning and you spend 10 or 15 minutes reading God's Word, then you're, you put that on the scale, that looks pretty good, right? But then you go out and, and you spend hours and hours on social media, you spend hours and hours on the internet throughout the day, and what happens is what started out as a great thing, putting God's word on the scale, has been outweighed by all of the other social media intakes that you've had going on, and it's really just poisoning the system. It's really nothing more than junk, and, and it's what the world throws at us on a constant basis. Um, if you came to church and you listened to a message that was 40 minutes long, uh, you know, and you put that on the scale, great. But then what you're doing for the rest of the week is just going to completely wipe that out. You read your Bible for five minutes and then you go listen to, you know, you go look at Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Pretty soon you're, you're just, you're, it can't compete because we're given so much energy, so much time to those other things. What is the balance of your life? What does it look like? If, you know, we just use that illustration. What does it look like in your life right now? How out of balance are those things for you? One suggestion I would make to you, this would be a challenge, and this is a hard challenge, okay? Here's, here's something for you to think about. I don't think you'll do it, but it's a challenge for you. Think about, for one week, trying to read Scripture as much as you, as many hours or as many minutes as you spend on social media every day, right? What if we said it this way? What if we said you earn time on Facebook by how many minutes you spend in God's Word? If you spend a half an hour, you get to spend a half hour on Facebook, you know, treat you like a, like a fifth grader. Um, what would that look like? Uh, Psalm 15, ver verse 14 in the New Living Translation says this, a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. You want to be wise? Start feeding on God's truth. Are you feeding on trash? Um, it's it's going to have an effect in your life. It's going to, you know, uh, are you hungry for the truth? That's really the question. Are you hungry for the truth? Scripture says thy word is truth. We hear that in John chapter 17. You can learn a lot about someone's physical health by looking 
at their spiritual diet? What is it that they consume um, in, in terms of food every day? You can just look at their physical diet and you can pretty much tell what, they're gonna, what their health is gonna be and how things are gonna go. The same is true mentally. The same is true emotionally. The same thing is true spiritually. Someone can tell a lot about your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health, just by looking at your mental diet, just by looking at what you consume from a, a brain perspective, you know, are you listening to a ton of talk radio? Are you listening to soap operas? Are you listening to social media? Are, is your life controlled by the, the internet trolls that are out there that all they're looking to do is just upset people and call them names and make them angry? Am I being wise or foolish in what I'm allowing into my mind? That's a question that you've got to ask yourself. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4. People need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Here's another great question for you. Am I feeding my soul every day with God's word? Are you? Are you feeding your soul every day with God's word? Because here's what I can tell you. If you do that, your life is going to be different. If you do that, your mind is going to start processing information differently when you feed your soul every day with God's word. Because if you're not, you're spiritually fasting from God's word. And it's no wonder that you're spiritually malnourished and have no strength over temptation. You're like, Brett, I just cannot overcome this temptation. Well, my question would be, what inputs do you have to help you overcome that? If you're feeding on God's word, you're gonna be stronger, right? That's, that's why when you get sick, one of the best things you can do is to continue to eat. Because if your body's not strong, it can't fight and it's able to get strong by the food that you eat. When you eat good food when you're sick, it helps your body get strong enough to fight whatever it is that's making you sick. The same thing is true spiritually. When you're sick spiritually, the best thing you can do is feed your soul on God's word. A lot of what we put in our minds is just temporary information. So much of what we consume is worthless. I mean, it just, it's a, I can tell you little tidbits of information that I've got stored up here. I don't know why I know those things. Like one of the things that I know, and I don't, I don't know where I learned this or how I know it, it, it'll never, it serves no purpose in my life. But I know that the longer water stay, the longer glass stays underwater, the harder it gets. Did you know that? The longer glass stays underwater, the harder it gets. Now, who does that help? <laughs> Nobody. I don't know why that's stuck in my head. It's just up there taking up brain cells. But, but you know, it's, it's useless information. And so much of what we're given on a daily basis is stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff we remember. You know, I can remember song titles and who sang this song and what year that song came out. You know what? Nobody cares. It doesn't change anybody's life. It doesn't make me special. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. So much of what we're being told on a regular basis is really not all that important. Uh, you know, the latest news that you get on a news broadcast, when you really boil it down at the end of the day, it's a big old nothing burger. There's really not anything there. God's word is eternal. Do you understand that? His word lasts forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says this, the grass withers, that's temporary. The flowers fall, that's temporary. But the word of God endures forever. It was true a thousand years ago. 
and it's true today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world and its desires pass away. What's he talking about? Tickets to concerts, dinner at the restaurant, going to the game, the car, the house, the vacation, the ring, the suit, whatever has got your attention today, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Here's a question for you. Do I pay more attention to temporary news or to the eternal truth of God's word? Look, this is not rocket science, okay? You're either inputting good news or you're inputting bad news. You're either putting good stuff in or you're putting bad stuff in. Garbage in, garbage out. John chapter 8, verse 31. This is Jesus talking. Listen to what he says. If you hold to my teaching, that is, if you're putting it in your mind and you're thinking about it. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, you know, people take this verse out of context all the time. I hear politicians quote this. I've heard actors quote this. You hear uh, different people quote this. Jesus said this, but what, this is really what he was talking about. If you look at the verse before this, He's talking about the Word of God, and, and he isn't talking about some mathematical truth or some musical truth or some physics truth. He, he's talking about God's truth. Jesus says, that's what will set you free. He said, if you continue in my Word, you will be my disciple. So based on that qualification, it, where, where Jesus says, if you continue in my Word, you will be my disciple. Based on that, you're in the Word of God every day. That's the, that's the baseline. Here's the question. What would, what would Jesus say about me in terms of me being a disciple? If it depends on um, you know, continuing in the Word of God, making me a disciple, would Jesus say that I am a disciple? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. Am I a disciple? Here's another question to ask yourself. Is my current media consumption creating freedom or frustration? Just think about that for a few minutes. Jesus said this, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It won't frustrate you, but you know what happens when you watch the news? I know what happens when I watch the news. I get frustrated. I get angry. I get worked up. Jesus says, listen, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And what is the truth? God's word is the truth. Now, based on these things, this idea that it determines who I am, and that it determines how I live, what I'm putting in my mind. What I put in my mind is going to affect every area of my life, and I need to maximize the amount of truth from God's Word. Now, the next question is this. When should I feed my mind God's truth? And the answer, you know the answer to this. The answer is all the time, right? You should be doing that all the time. Listen to Psalm chapter 119. This is verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And then again from Psalm 119, this is verse 147. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Where does my hope come from? It comes from the over 7,000 promises that we find in God's word. Become a promise person and it will change your life. God wants you to get into this book every single day, and as you do, your life is going to change. Every day, I have to choose to feed my mind with the best thoughts, and the best thoughts are God's thoughts, 
right? I mean, would we argue that? The best thoughts are God's thoughts. Here's the second daily choice that I have to make if I want my life to change. Number one is feed my mind on the best thoughts. Number two, free my mind from destructive thoughts. This is a choice. This is a choice we make. Romans chapter eight, verse five, New Living Translation. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. He talks about either being dominated or controlled. Um, You're either controlled by the devil and the thoughts that he puts into your mind or by God and the thoughts that he puts into your mind. Again, you're either being tempted, it's either temptation or it's inspiration. Um, Your mind needs to be liberated, delivered, released, set free. Otherwise, it is dominated by all those other wrong thoughts. Now, listen, this isn't easy, okay? If this was easy, I wouldn't need to talk about it. This isn't easy because there are three forces around you that make this even more difficult. The, the battle for your mind and, and good intentions, there are, there are outside forces that are causing this to be a difficult thing for you. Uh, this fight to free your mind. The reason that it's not easy is that you have enemies to fight. What are those enemies? Well, first of all, your old nature. You're fighting your old nature. Romans chapter 7, verse 23. But there is another power within me. This is Paul talking. There is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This, is, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Your old nature wants you to think bad thoughts. It wants you to think wrong thoughts. Somebody hurts you and you want to hurt them. Somebody puts you down, you want to put them down. You want to return their action with an action of your own. And the truth is, you often find yourself doing things that you don't want to do. Your old nature is not your friend. It is the source of bad habits. So that's the first, is your your old nature is an enemy to you. The second enemy you have is the devil, Satan. He is an enemy. And again, he he can't force you to do anything. He can make suggestions. He's slick. He's cunning. He's continually putting negative thoughts in front of you. Um, You know, he wants you to think bad about this person. He wants you to think bad about this experience. A great little book I would recommend to you is C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. It's It's a book, it's a C.S. Lewis was brilliant. He wrote this book about how a senior devil is trying to instruct a junior devil how to tempt the person that he's been put in charge of. And and he gives him all this advice, and and you read that, and you really start to have your eyes opened as to how you get tempted every day of your life. From the moment you wake up, the devil is at work on you. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, Paul's talking about forgiving someone. And he says, I have forgiven that man. And it's interesting the reason that Paul says he has forgiven this man. He says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his schemes. He says, I forgave that guy so Satan would not have a foothold in my life. When you refuse to forgive somebody, you have just fallen for Satan's trap. He has won. He's won the battle. Bitterness, resentment, jealousy, envy. He's winning. Anytime you experience those feelings and you allow those things to take root in your heart, the devil is winning in your life. 
So you've got your old nature working against you. You've got the devil working against you. The third enemy of your mind is this, the world value system. It is not a Christian value system. It is a world value system which constantly is promoted by advertisers and movies and TVs and music and, and celebrities. We even have these things now on Instagram and Twitter. You see these people refer to themselves as influencers. And, you know, I don't know that just because you call yourself an influencer, it makes you one. But certainly a lot of the things we see in the movies and television and, and, and in theater influence us. It influences fashion. It influences behaviors and attitudes. First um, John chapter 2, verse 16 says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Nothing encourages you to do the right thing in the world. Nothing encourages, encourages you to be unselfish. Nothing really encourages you to be benevolent. Nothing encourages you to be generous. Nothing encourages you to be disciplined. You, you don't get those kinds of encouragement from the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That whole passage is about mental and spiritual warfare that takes place in your mind. The battle for sin is won and lost in your mind. The battle for habits in your life is won or lost in the mind. The battle for being like Jesus is won or lost in the mind. He, he talks about a stronghold. What You know, you say, well, Brett, what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that I believe. That's all a stronghold is. It, it, it's a lie about myself, maybe about somebody else. It's a lie about God, uh, a, a false value, selfishness, materialism, attitude, worry. They're all strongholds, and it is a mental battle. I love that phrase, take captive. We take captive every thought. Take captive, that, that phrase that you see there in, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, that comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is ikmalatosan, ikmala. Ikmalatizontais. <laughs> Ikmalatizontais is how you would say that. It's a big, long Greek word. It literally means to conquer, to bring under control, to capture. You are not going to let your mind run amok. You bring it under control. You make it obedient. You make it behave. There's another great word that is in that passage. It's the word obedient. And that Greek word is the word hupokoein. Hupokoein, it means that you bring it under submission. I take my thoughts captive and I bring them under the submission of the truth. You say, Brett, how do you do that? How, you know, how do you make your mind behave you? That is a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Full disclosure, my mind disobeys me all the time. <laughs> um, is that true of you or is that just me, right? Um, a lot of times when I need to ponder a passage of Scripture, 
my thoughts will start to wander. You know, I'm trying to meditate on something good and my brain wants to go some other place. And I'll say, you know, come back here, pay attention, you know, lock in. And my brain sometimes just does not want to do what I want it to do. Most people are defeated in life because they do not know how to win the battle of the brain. You say, Brett, how does temptation work in the mind? Well, James says this in chapter one. He says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then we come to verse 15. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So he's kind of giving it a life process there. Temptation is a process, and it happens in four steps, and it can happen really pretty quickly. When you think about how temptation blows up in your life, it, it can, I mean, you know, it's, it's just really the, the, the mind can work really fast, and, and, and a temptation can happen for you really quickly. It starts, first of all, with, with our desires, our own desires. It's usually a natural desire. Um, you have a natural desire to eat. You have a natural desire to sleep. You have a natural desire to drink. You have a, a natural sexual desire. And these are all God-given things. But temptation turns to routine desire um, Turns a routine, temptation turns a routine desire into a runaway desire. And, and when desire gets out of control, it really becomes destructive. Uh, it's the same thing as, you know, if you've got a fire in your fireplace in your house and you use that to warm the house, that's a great thing. But if that fire gets out of control, now it becomes destructive. And so the first step is desire, our own desires. The second step is doubt. It's when we doubt. We begin to doubt God's word. We begin to doubt God's love for us. And the very first temptation, Satan goes to Eve and he, and he said, you know, did God really say not to touch this stuff? Did he say not to eat this? Listen, anytime you're asking the question, did God really say, did, did God really say that about food? Did God really say that about sex? Did God really say that about money? What you're doing is you're drifting off towards step three, and step three is deception. You are lured away and enticed, the way we looked at just a few minutes ago. That is a, that's fishing terminology. A fish that gets lured away and a fish that takes the bait dies, okay? That's what happens when the fish takes the bait. Satan knows you, and he knows that if he can get you lured to the bait and you take the bait, he will hook you. And sometimes there is a temptation that we know is a hook. We know it has a hook in it, and we just kind of nibble, nibble, right? We, just, we, we know that it's dangerous. We know it can be bad for us. We know it can turn into something that's not good, but we nibble, nibble, right? I'm an adult. We say to ourselves, nibble, nibble, nibble. I'm not going to get hurt. Nibble, nibble, nibble. I'll be careful. We just nibble away. You're being deceived when you do that. Sin, I, I tell you this all the time, I saw this sign on a, on a church sign in, in, in Lyford, sin fascinates and then it assassinates. So true. It can happen so quickly. You move from desire to doubt to deception. It can happen in a second in your brain. It doesn't take any time for this to happen. And then you come to step four, disobedience. What began in the mind translated to action and action translated to sin. 
what got your attention turns into an attraction, and an attraction becomes an attitude, and an attitude becomes an action. Attraction is not sin. Action is, okay? Attraction is not sin. Attitude is. You cannot help who or what you are attracted to. What you can help is what you do about it, okay? You, you can't help what you're attracted to. I'm attracted to certain things that aren't good for me. You're probably attracted to certain things that aren't good for me. What you do about those things, you have some control over. What you flirt with, you will fall for. Be very, very careful. I take you back to the passage from James. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. It starts on the inside of me. Verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Desire leads to sin, and sin leads to death. What is death? It is the exact opposite of living, right? You you can have death in your life while you're still alive. Everything's just a dead end. There's no vibrancy. There's nothing to look forward to, nothing good, right? That's not life. Life is vibrant, life is friendships and, and, and communion, life is, is you know, great things in your life. When you make bad decisions, when you get enticed, when you sin, those things slowly start to disappear and nothing tastes good, nothing looks good, nothing feels good. You are free to choose, but you don't choose the consequences. Life is a series of choices and every choice has a consequence. Psalm 119, verse 112. I've made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. Here's the question. Have you made up your mind to obey God's laws no matter what? Have you made that decision? So I feed my mind the best thoughts. I free my mind from destructive thoughts. Number three, I must choose to focus my mind on the right things. You can focus on a lot of wrong things, but there are some right things that you can choose to focus on. I want to give you three of those real quick, and then we'll close. Number one, think about Jesus. Just how much time do you spend thinking about Jesus? Scripture tells us that you, you become what you think about pretty much. Well, if you think about Jesus all the time, you're going to be more like Jesus. I, I think that's probably one of the greatest goals you can have. I want to think more about Jesus. Number two, Think about others. You know, Philippians talks about have this mindset that was in Christ that he, he, you know, he was thinking about other people. He didn't consider himself more important than others. He, he put others before himself. You know, think about others. Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then number three, think about eternity. Think about eternity. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, let heaven fill your thoughts. Let me ask you a question. How serious are you about changing your life? How are things going in your life? Things not going great? You want some things to change? How serious are you about changing your life? Now, honestly, I've given you so much in this uh, particular message. There's so much scripture here. You may want to go back and listen to this again. But if you want your life to change, you are the only person who can make that happen. And you can make that happen by doing the things God calls you to do, by spending more time thinking about him, putting his word in your heart, spending time around people who are trying to get better, 
trying to make their mind better, trying to get their spirit strong. If you truly want to change, you can do that. It's not easy. It takes discipline. You're going to have to spend some time in the Word. But it can happen. And the life you've always wanted, you can have in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I give you thanks for your word that is so true and it's timeless. These things that you wrote, uh, some of them millennia ago, uh, they're still true today. They still have power. They still make a difference in life. And Lord, we, we confess to you that we don't have this all figured out. We probably never will. Uh, but there are some things that we'd like to change. And I pray that, that we would begin the process of making those changes in our life. And I pray that we would understand that they all start in the mind. Help us to win that battle every single day. Help us to overcome the outside influences, the temptations uh, that come from the, from the father of lies and, and the devil. And help us instead to listen to the father of life, the father of love, the father of us and the father of Jesus who inspires us with the things that he says to us. May we follow you all the days of our life, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.